listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We are in uh, week number two of a series called TikTok Taught Me. And so I hope you enjoyed last week. It was fun, huh? It was a fun little series. Got to watch some TikTok. Some of y'all were like, what's a TikTok? That's what the clock says. That's, you know, but that's, it's a thing. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, the point of this series is to get you closer to Jesus. It, it's, it's to improve your relationship with God. It's to improve your relationship with other people. It's to grow in your, your faith and your purpose and your calling. It's to develop relationships that actually make a difference in your life. That's the point. Now, listen, that's the point of every sermon series we do. This one just happens to use TikTok to make that point, okay? So that's what it's all about. I had somebody one, uh, one week that doesn't go to our church, just somebody else, and they were like, that sounds like just a gimmicky message series to me. Yeah, okay, yeah, it is. But any means necessary, man. Like, whatever it takes to help you grow in your relationship with God, I'm going to use it short of sin. Which TikTok, you know, you got to be careful with it. So anyway, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> every series, though, is focused on helping you grow closer to Jesus. So, if you downloaded and tried TikTok this week, first thing, raise your hand. Did you download and try TikTok this week? Okay, that's the same thing happened in the first service. Raise your hand if you already have TikTok. Sinners. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you can blow some time on TikTok, can't you? Um, please understand that TikTok works by algorithm. I don't know if you knew that. Who the heck is algorithm? Is that the guy behind it? No, it's algorithm. It's a, it's, a, it's a method they use to work TikTok. So basically, the more videos you watch, the more it learns, and the more the algorithm feeds you things that it thinks you will like. So the more time that you spend on videos that you like, the more they give you. Now listen, this isn't done overnight, okay? You can't download TikTok today, and all of a sudden, it's going to be perfect, and, and your feed's going to be awesome. I mean, the first month, you're just like people just doing these dumb dances at Walmart and stuff, like... Have you ever seen the people, like, they're at a, a store and they have the phone set up on the... No, that's not me, Monique. Stop pointing at me. I don't do that. <laughs> Number one, because nobody wants to see me dance because, you know, we don't want nobody to stumble. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But, uh... Was the preacher twerking on the deodorant aisle? No, he wasn't. That never happened. Here's the thing, though. TikTok's algorithms can't possibly discover your likes within just a few hours. It took about a month before I started seeing things that I didn't like less and less. You know what? It's kind of like development. I want to share with you some things today, six different things about development using TikTok that's going to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Here's the first one is just that it takes time. Development takes time. I don't know if you knew that, but it does. It, it takes time to see unliked videos less and less on TikTok. And you know what else? It takes time to see unliked actions less and less in your life. Some, of, some people come to Jesus and they just expect everything is going to be fine and dandy, okay? And, and everything's going to change in one moment. But that's not how it works. I've always found it fascinating how much time we give toxic actions to grow, but how little time we give Jesus to change us. I've gone to church three times. How come my marriage ain't fixed yet? That ain't how it works. There's a movie called City Slickers. Anybody ever heard of City Slickers? I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, it, it, uh, Curly is the, the trail boss, and he's riding with Mitch, who's the main character. And, and they're talking, and, 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 and Curly looks at him and says, What are you about? What are you about? 35, 40? He says, I'm 39. He says, You City Slickers are all the same. Y'all spend 50 weeks of the year getting your rope all tied in knots and you think two weeks out here is going to untie it. We think this way about church, though. Nothing worthwhile, though, happens in a second. And even if it does happen in a second, you know what we call that? We have a word for that. It's called a miracle. That's what it is. Okay? So what is the rush? Well, let's watch a TikTok video about that. What is the rush? Like, we live in a culture where everything needs to be done right now. And it's so frustrating because the truth is everything takes progress. We only think things look easy because we see it on a 10 second video clip on TikTok and we think things are super easy. But in between and behind those things is a lot of work and a lot of effort. And so in order to get out of your comfort zone and make changes, you have to go behind the scenes and delve deeper. Don't just look at the surface level stuff of someone's success because behind it, there's a lot of consistency. There's a lot of 
introspection, a lot of reflection, and a lot of adjustments, making mistakes, and making changes. That's true, isn't it? This is one of the biggest problems in the world we face right now, and, and social media has exacerbated this so big time. We look at people's best of moments, and we compare our lives to them. We look at their brand new car that they just got, and we walk outside, and we look at our clunker. And we think, well, how come I got a clown? I need, I need to keep up with the Joneses, as we used to say back in the day. But nowadays, it's just like keeping up with somebody's TikTok feed or their, their, their reels or whatever. But the problem is, we don't know what it took for them to get that. Maybe they've got a great job and they've worked their whole lives building a company and they're finally getting to enjoy some of the fruits of their labors. Or maybe they're up to their eyeballs in debt. Maybe so. I know this much, I would, I would much rather have a cash car that's semi-reliable than to have a $900,000 note every, every month. I mean, I, I, the older I get, the more I realize no note is always better than note. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes you have to borrow. Like, I get that. I'm not saying that. But we have to be careful that we don't take our lives and we compare their best of to our mediocre every day. We can't do this in our faith as well. We see people that look like they have this great relationship with Jesus, and we can't understand how we can't be like them. Well, you don't know what it took for them to get that. It's like the lady says, you don't know the price of the oil in the alabaster jar. You don't know the prayer times on their face begging God. You don't know their times in the word. You don't know the trials that they've endured and faced. You can look at some people, and they look so happy and so full of joy, and their life has been hell, but God has delivered them out of it. So we can't compare ourselves right now in this moment to who they are. I heard one of the best things that's ever been told to me was simply this. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. There's one person you compare yourself to, who you were yesterday. Compare you today to who you were yesterday. And if you're better, praise God. If you're worse, then do some work. We have to be careful that we're not playing this comparison thing. If you downloaded TikTok this week and you can't figure out what's so appealing about it, you, haven't just given, you just haven't given enough time yet. And if you've come to church and you just can't figure out what's so appealing about it, you probably haven't given enough time yet. If you're trying to pray and you don't see the appeal of it, you probably haven't given enough time yet. Come on, do you see a pattern here? If you're in the Word and you can't figure it out, you probably just haven't given enough time yet. Nothing worthwhile happens in a second. Or maybe you're expecting us to do all the work. That's the second point is development takes engagement. It takes engagement. You ever, you ever had some great advice for somebody and they just didn't take it? What are you supposed to do in that moment? I'm going to pray for you, brother. <laughs> that's, that's about it, right? Well, look at what TikTok does. TikTok uses a few, tools, a few tools to adjust content to what you like. And it uses three main things. Number one is likes. When you like a video, it sends you more videos like it. Another one is sharing a video. If you share a video to somebody, TikTok automatically assumes that you think it's funny. And what's crazy, too, is because you shared it to this specific person, that person will start to get more and more videos like that. For instance, anybody ever heard Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Good Lord, let Jesus come right now. Travis Kelsey plays for the Chiefs, and apparently he's dating Taylor Swift now. And so Monique follows Taylor Swifty stuff. And I she is a Swifty. Um, and she sends me the videos of the, and so there are some videos she sends me that as soon as I see the screenshot, I ain't watching that. Cause you know why? You're going to mess with my algorithm. I don't want TikTok. I don't want Taylor Swift all over my algorithm. It's like, it's like kids on your YouTube account. Don't watch Bluey on my YouTube account. Why? Cause I don't want to be fed bingo and Bluey. Like I don't want that. The other thing is this, and this might freak you out a little bit, pauses. If you pause or hover over a video, it counts how many seconds you're pausing over that, and it makes a determination whether or not you like it or not. So, for instance, if you pause over for two seconds and then you swipe, it's like, okay, probably doesn't like that. But if you spend like six or seven seconds on it, TikTok realizes if you swipe after like six or seven seconds, it realizes, man, we almost had him. So let's send another video that's like that to see if we can get him. That's all they're doing. It's crazy. It's fun. Well, TikTok might guess what you want to see without all the input, but the algorithm works quicker and more effectively when you engage with it. Same thing happens with church and development. We might can guess at what you need, guess at what's going to help you, 
But if you engage, it makes it quicker and more effective. Superficial engagement always gives you nominal results. Always. I want you to think of a relationship you have right now where you are giving the bare minimum. And I want you to tell me, are you getting maximum return off of your minimal engagement? And if you say yes, I'm going to tell you right now, you lied at the church house because that's not how it works. Minimal effort gives you minimal results every single time. And that's in anything. Same thing happens with your relationship with God. Here's the translation. You get out of it what you put into it. I realize God is a pressed down, shaken together, running over kind of God. But I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to your relationships with people in the church, your development in the church, you're going to get out what you put into it. So if you are not getting out of church what you feel like you should be getting out of church, don't look at us. Look at yourself first and ask, am I engaging at the level where I can get the return that I'm expecting? Okay, that's the truth. I can help you with your development, but your development is going to be on your shoulders, not my shoulders. In anything, don't, don't, don't get mad at me just because it's church. Look at sports. I mean, how much can a coach really do to make you succeed? At some point, you have to take responsibility. So let's look at just this week at Freedom Church. Just this week, here's what we offer. Sunday services at 9 and 11 with worship, teaching, and kids ministry. Serve teams with over 24 unique opportunities. Sunday youth group. Monday quilting. Monday Bible study. Tuesday men's group. Wednesday women's group. Thursday worship team. Friday supper club. Saturday chosen movie nights. That's just this week. Look, if, if God calls you to another church or another town or another ministry, awesome. I'm, I'm serious about that. Every single person that walks in our building the first time, I always tell them this. We want what God wants for you. We want his best for you. And if that's here, we're going to do everything we can to help you grow in your relationship with God and develop into the person God created you to be. But if that's somewhere else and God wants you at that place, let me help you get there. Because the last thing I want to do is to hold you back from what God's best for your life is. I care about you reaching God's potential in your life more than I care about your attendance. Now, do I want people to come to Freedom Church? Of course. Of course we do. But your development is more important. Until you like a video, TikTok is guessing to get it right. And until you engage, we are too. So I'm going to tell you right now, as long as you're here at Freedom Church, we're going to do everything we can to help you engage. But at some point, you're going to have to be the one that does it. I can give you opportunity after opportunity. But I want God's best for your life. And I'm going to be really, really honest with you. You can't say no one developed me. If you never engaged. It's just the truth. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's just the truth. Maybe, maybe you don't have time. Maybe that's the issue. Well, number three, development requires opportunities. The average TikTok user opens the app eight times a day and spends 95 minutes a day on it. 95 minutes. During those 95 minutes, TikTok is learning and probably way more than you'd like it to. How did you know I like little videos of squirrels water skiing? Well, because you watched squirrels water skiing. Let me ask you this. What could God develop in you in 95 minutes a day? Now, you might say, well, preacher, I don't look at the TikTok 95 minutes a day. Okay, cool. I want you to add up all the time you spend on things like that. Mind-numbing kind of things. And ask a question, what could God do with you in those 95 minutes a day? What could he do? Really, guys, it boils down to a heart issue. Our, our heart, you know, the Bible says where your heart is, your treasure will be there as well. I think that also works with your time. What's valuable, important to you, you'll put time and energy into. So let me ask you this. What do I have to do to get you to chase after Jesus as hard as you're chasing after all those other things? What do I have to do? What opportunities can I create for you to see that happen? I know this much. Um, men's group um, on Tuesday nights. It's every Tuesday night at 630. And a lot of times guys will stay till like 11 o'clock midnight. I mean, we just like hanging out with each other. But there are some guys that as it starts at 630, um, like Adam. Man, we love Adam so much in our group. And he, it's so funny because at 8 o'clock an alarm goes off on his phone. And he goes, 
oh, that's it. And he walks out the door. Like, he finally starts saying, hey, bye, we love you and all that stuff. But he would just, before, he would just get up and walk off. The first time he did that, I looked at Brandon. I was like, Brandon, is, is everything okay? Like, is he mad? Like, what happened? Did, did I say something? Did, you know, I was like, what happened? Well, he, that's just, he has to wake up early. So he stays as long as he can. But the closest relationships that I have with guys right now, they were formed at men's group. They were. Like, for instance, you know, Jeremy and I went fishing the other day. Me, Brandon, and Jeremy went fishing a few Saturdays back. And, dude, it was fun. It was a blast. Got to learn about each other. You know, got to learn about Jeremy some more. That's a fun guy right there. That's a good guy, too. That's what you know, man. You're a good guy, dude. It was fun. But here's what's funny is I've learned more about him on Tuesday nights than I had on that Saturday fishing trip. And why is that? It's because I, I, every Tuesday night we're there. And you know what? I hate missing on Tuesday nights. I haven't been there the last two weeks because we were at a conference, and then the week before, um, Viv's birthday was on that day. I, but I hate, I hate missing men's group. Now, why is that? It's because I need them. They need me too. I need them to challenge me, and they need me to challenge them. I need them to develop me, and, and they need me to develop them. I need to call greatness out of them, and, and I need to do this, and they need to do the same for me. I need them to say, hey, Jason, you're slipping right here. And I need to be able to do that with them. We, we need this. So why do I go? It's here. I wrote it down. It's, this is why. Because if I want the benefit of what the people around me have to offer, I have to embrace opportunities for those people to help develop me. That's time. How do we get on all that? It's simple. By understanding that just like TikTok algorithm takes time, engagement, and opportunity, so does development. Now, a core value at Freedom Church is development is our focus. And here's what we say about that. God created you with a purpose for a purpose. And we believe that if you're breathing air, then you still have something great to do to move the kingdom forward. One of our main roles is to do everything we can to help you reach your highest potential in Christ Jesus. Even Jesus was in a development process, and he engaged in developing every person he came in contact with. We want to do the same. Development is something that God absolutely wants for us. We see this in Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse 7. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he, will, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. In this verse, we see both the process of and the reason for development. The process is this. You're planted. Okay, it's, there's a start to your faith, a start to your Christianity. There's a start to your development. And while you may be sitting next to somebody right now that seems way further down the road than you are, don't be disturbed by your small beginnings. The Bible tells us this. Don't despise small beginnings. We say that first part, but you know what the last part says? It says, because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And some of y'all need to hear that this morning, that even though you may be on the bottom of the line as far as you're concerned, at the very starting point of your development process, but listen to me, God loves that moment in you. So don't think that he's frustrated that you aren't farther along. And my goodness, don't think that yourself, oh, I should be further along than I am right now. Be happy knowing that God is excited about the development process that's happening in you right now. The, the roots are extended. See, that's the growth and everybody here knows that if a tree is going to be healthy and withstand the storms that come, the roots got to go wide and the roots got to go deep. So you've got to, that's developing, that's growing. And then the leaves green, that's healthy and ready to produce. Now, what's the reason? Here's why. It's because development not only makes your roots solid and your tree healthy, it kills fear and anxiety when the heat and the drought come. I'll tell you what, we've experienced some heat and drought. Physically, like actual temperatures, heat and drought. My grass is yellow as a crayon right now. It's slowly coming back. This happens to be the weeds are the ones that are coming back. So I got to get out there and do some work. But we've experienced that. And you know what? You've experienced drought and heat in your life too, your spiritual life, your emotional life. You know what keeps you strong in the midst of heat and drought? Being a healthy tree. Developed roots that go down deep. Leaves that are still green. Listen to me. When the development is good, the fruit yielding doesn't stop. How incredible is it that God loves you so much that he will allow you to continue to produce fruit even out of season? If you're ever going to be the person God sees in his mind when he thinks about you, it's going to require development. Now, this is good news and this is bad news. 
The good news is that you actually can become the person that God sees in his mind when he looks at you. You can do this. The bad news is you ain't going to always like it. I read a quote this week that was really impactful to me. It said, God loves you so much that sometimes he has to break your heart to save your soul. That's a lot. You're not always going to like development. But before we get too down the line, I've said development a bunch of times this morning. What, what is development really, right? Well, when I first thought of that question, two words popped in my mind, improvement and development. Improvement and development are not the same thing. And many times what happens in people's lives is they start a process of development, like maybe weight loss, for instance. They start losing weight. And, and they get to 20 pounds down and they see the improvement. The shirts are loose. They're having to go to smaller shirts or the belt is getting loose and all that kind of stuff. And so what they do in that moment is they admire the improvement and they go celebrate at Dairy Queen. Come on, Jesus. Right? They, they celebrate. And, and well, that, the improvement, while it's great, if you don't have longevity in it, you can often look at improvement and assume that it's development. Okay? So let's define it. Improvement is something that enhances appearance, value, or excellence. Development is to grow or to cause to grow and become more mature, advanced, or elaborate. So what's the difference? One is focused on enhancement. One is focused on maturity. God is not calling you to look and feel better. He's calling you to be better. And development is what it takes to do that. So if you're going to develop, you have to embrace the process of maturing. So I want to give you the six components. We've already done three. Let me give you three more. Um, the first two were time, engagement, and opportunity. I'm going to give you three more. And these come from a, a story of David. Uh, and, and it can be found in so many other Bible characters in the Bible. In fact, the three things I'm going to share with you here going out um, every successful Bible character in the Bible has had to face these three things, and they've been successful at these three things, and that's made them successful in their life. So, before we dive in, let me give you a little refresher on the story of David, okay? Samuel went to anoint a king because Saul was really not doing a good job. You hear what I'm saying? And Jesse passed his sons before Samuel. Now, the first was Eliab, and, and Eliab was, he was like the man's man. Head and shoulders above, good-looking, buff, could do all the pull-ups and all that kind of stuff. And Samuel was like, oh, this is him. It's got to be him. And God said, whoa, I look at the heart, not the outward appearance. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that. He looks at the heart. The next was Abinadab. God was like, no. Nah. Next was Shammah. The God was like, no. Nah. That's that seven sons he prayed. And then we pick this up in 1 Samuel 16. Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. So he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now listen to the rest of the story. He was anointed king. And then he goes and kills Goliath. He marries the king's daughter. He serves as a court minstrel. And then he gets fired from that job. Um, and but Saul's like, no, I'm going to make you one of my commanders in my army. And then Saul tries to kill David twice. One time, David's just like playing a just a, a, a bad little song, just like an awesome, right? And Saul just throws a spear at him. Can you imagine Tony's up here trying to lead us in worship and somebody just chunks a spear at him? <laughs> the goodness of God, like, whoa, that's crazy. And then he, he, he's on the run from Saul, flees to the land of the Philistines. Remember, Philistines, that's the dude, that the giant, he just cut the head off the giant, that's their guy. So he runs to his enemies. He lives in strongholds in the wilderness. He has a chance to kill Saul twice, but doesn't do it. I find that interesting that Saul wanted to kill David twice and he couldn't. Saul, uh, David could have killed Saul twice, but he wouldn't. Sometimes we need to be okay with not doing things that we could do. You hear what I'm saying? Paul says everything may be permissible, but not profitable. Some of us need to hold our tongue, even though we're justified 
in saying something. Okay. He's still on the run from Saul. He then allies with the Philistines. And then he eliminates the people who were still inhabiting the land from the time of Joshua that the Israelites never eliminated. In first service, the Lord spoke to me specifically about this. That some of you right now might feel like you're in the land of your enemies and you have no clue why you're there. Listen to me. Sometimes God will send you to a place that feels like you're surrounded by enemies because God wants you to destroy the very enemies that your ancestors should have, that your mother and father should have, that your grandparents, the, the, the demons that your grandparents should have slayed. You are now called to do that. That's exactly what happened with David. And the reason he experienced some peace in his reign once he finally did ascend to the throne is because there was a season in his life where he was outcast and sent to his enemies and God gave him the opportunity to kill the things that his ancestors should have done before him. Some of y'all need to hear that in your lives right now. The reason you're in this spot right now is because there are some strongholds and some generational curses that God's called you to kill. And now you've got the opportunity to do it. But then the Philistines are like, this guy's really good at war. So they, they abandoned him, the Philistines did. And then they started attacking him. There were roaming hordes who stole his women and children. He, he waged war and war and more war. And finally, after 14 years, David ascended to the throne of Israel. 14 years! 14 years! There's another, there's another 14 in the Bible with Joseph. Joseph was 17 when God gave him a dream. He was 31 when he finally was made second in command of Egypt. And do you know what was in between those two dates? Um, Attempted murder, slavery, a thirsty wife, a false accusation, prison, and abandonment. Y'all, we can't even take someone addressing a weakness in our lives without us getting bent out of shape and threatening to leave the church. 14 years of this mess. Both of these men men spent 14 years from the call to the completion. Why? You know, I was 19 whenever God called me to pastoral ministry. I can remember every detail of it. I remember where I was, where I was sitting. I remember all of it. And I told God in that moment, God, I don't want to be 40 before I'm doing what you called me to do. In June, June 26 of 2019, Freedom Church officially became an organization. And we left um, and came down in 2020 to plant Freedom Church. I was 40 years old. Now, I remember the Sunday that, that was our last Sunday at New Covenant. I asked the Lord, why? Why did I have to wait 40 years? And he said, Jason, I had to work some things into you, but I had to work some things out of you. Here's what I want you to know something right now. Whatever season you're in, if you feel like you're not there yet, I want you to know that God is working some things into you, And he's working some things out of you. Because if you gave you what you've been praying for, you would destroy it or it would destroy you. So don't be angry. Be thankful. God loves you enough to keep you from destroying the thing that you've prayed for your whole life. Development takes time. It takes engagement. It takes opportunity. So let me give you these last three components. Development is going to challenge, first, the desire of your heart. Acts 13, 22 references uh, 1 Samuel 13. And when he had removed him, that Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Now, David was called a man after God's own heart. Was that because David was faithful? David cheated and killed the woman's husband. That's not very faithful. Was it his peacefulness? He was a warrior. He put tens of thousands of people to death. Uh, What was it then? Well, it's this. David wanted in his life, in his nation, in his world, what God wanted. A lot of times we see the words man after God's own heart, and we think a heart that is copied after God's heart. But you know what? David's heart wasn't perfect, was it? David made some real bonehead decisions, kind of like us, right? So how could he be a man? How could it be a copy of God's heart? That would mean that God has to make some bonehead decisions out of his heart too. But what if it wasn't a man that was a copied heart after God's heart, but it was a man whose heart chased after God's heart? What if it was after as if I'm chasing you, not after as if a copy? I've always read it as a copy of. Could it be that David just chased after God so hard? Let me ask you this. 
Are you chasing after God like that? So much to say that when somebody looks at you, they say, that's a man after God's heart. That is a man chasing hard after God's heart. It makes more sense when you think of the fact that when David ran, when he struggled, when he was uncertain, even when he failed, he still wanted what God wanted. You know, David had plenty of reasons to question God in those 14 years. But David showed God that his heart, while it wasn't always perfect, was always after the Father's heart. Now listen to me. Sometimes in the process of development, you will have to go through some things that aren't comfortable and that don't make you feel very cared for or seen. But God is using those things to create in you a heart that is after Him. And if you were in that process, let me take it one step further and say that God has looked at your heart and while He loves you to death, literally... He also recognizes that there's something in your heart that needs addressing and he's giving you time and opportunity and engagement to do that. Boy, that is a God that loves you, that gives you time to correct heart issues. A heart after God is willing to confess Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by a generous spirit. If there's going to be times in your life where your heart is going to be sifted and evaluated. God's going to use situations and people and circumstances. You are going to have the opportunity to be offended and for temptation to come, and God is going to allow those things. He's going to allow prayers to go unanswered in your life. He's not being mean. He's not doubting you. He knows that this is how you're developed. I don't say you have to like it. A warrior... A warrior has to train for battle. A warrior can't train for battle with like intentions and wishes and hopes and dreams. They use real swords and real shields and they go to these mock battles. And while they are mock battles, they're still physical. The same things with development. David asked God to create in him a clean heart and a steadfast spirit. What about you? Are you asking God to do that in your life? Let's watch this TikTok video. God, show me or, or guide me or lead me or, or, you know, just show me what's best for me. Hmm. Expose things in my heart that I don't know are there. Hmm. And I said that a long time ago. <laughs> and then when he does it now, I'm like, Get, God, why did you do that? God, why did you do that? <laughs> Listen, he doesn't answer on your timing. He answers on his. Ooh. And his timing is perfect. And that's hard for us to understand. But it's something that you got to understand. And when you get the hang of that, things will get a lot easier. Come on, man. That's what it's about. Don't be surprised when your heart's desires get challenged. I'm serious. God knows you love things. God, God knows you want certain things. But when God challenges those things in you, don't get mad. He's challenging your heart to make sure it's in the right spot. It means you're being developed. Let me ask you this. What if the season you're in right now is all about determining if your heart's desire is really in the right place. Or having marriage troubles. What if God's trying to determine whether your heart really is for your wife or your husband? Well, I'm having relationship issues. What if God's trying to determine whether or not the things that you're thinking in your heart and your mind are actually true or if you're believing lies from the devil? Or what if you're feeling offended at some things at church right now and you realize that God is challenging your heart to know whether you're going to stay the course even though somebody might have said something to you that rubs you the wrong way? Is your heart in the right place? The, the next one, number five, is dedication to the call no matter what. I don't know if you know this, but David wrote 73, possibly 12 more, but 73 for sure of the 150 Psalms. And many of these psalms lack background information, but we do find some of the information on some of them. I'm going to share a couple of those today. Psalm 3, this is when he fled from Absalom. Absalom, if you remember, was David's firstborn son that tried to usurp the throne and kill his own father. Okay, that's fun times at the, uh, the family reunion and the Thanksgiving table. Hey, Absalom, thanks for not killing me. Okay, so Psalm 51, a psalm when Nathan the prophet went to him after he'd sinned with Bathsheba. Y'all should go read that. Nathan told David how to cow choose the corn. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm surprised Nathan didn't get killed over that. And you know what David did? Instead of getting mad, he apologized. He repented. Uh, what about Psalm 56? A psalm when the Philistines seized David and Gath. What about 57? When he fled from Saul and was in the cave. 59? When Saul sent men to watch David's house to wait there to kill him. <laughs> That's fun times. Hey, man, we got some guys waiting in the house to kill me. 
Anybody got some parchment? Uh, I've got a psalm I need to write real quick. So, that's a little joke. Everybody, it's okay, guys. It's heavy, but we can laugh. Psalm 63, when he was in the wilderness of Judah all by himself. What about Psalm 142, when he was in the cave praying? Why am I telling you this? How many times do you think David looked around at what was going on and asked himself, why am I doing this? Why am I in this situation? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever walked to the edge of the cave that you're hiding in and said, what are you doing up there, man? Like, what is going on? How come you don't just fix it? Just do it for me, Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because development doesn't happen that way, and he doesn't work that way either. If you wanted a genie, you're in the wrong religion, bro. His timing. And you know what God will do? Rather than just giving you the old Morgan treatment, Morgan Freeman voice treatment, you're messing up. No, he'll say that he'll send people to your life. And he'll give you some, some, some frustration between you and your spouse because he wants you and your spouse to go to the next level. And for some reason, humans haven't figured this out yet, but that we don't really take steps to the next level without some friction. We, we have to be pushed to the next level, most of us. Come on, man. Is it just me? We have to be in tough situations. I trust God in my finances. You know what he'll do? He'll allow your finances to tank so that you know that he's the source, not anything else. If you trust in your job as your source, he'll take that sucker away if you don't watch out. You know why? Because remember what I said earlier? Sometimes God has to break your heart to save your soul. Sometimes God has to rip the thing out of your hand that you're calling God. And don't think for one second that he won't. The Bible says that God would rather have you go into heaven with an arm cut off or an eye missing than to go to hell with both. What does that say? That says God is willing to chop away things in your life that are going to keep you from the best life he has for you. We don't like that, though, do we? David could have asked God a million times, what are you doing? But I think David remembered something. And I think we see it in Psalm 23. Let's read Psalm 23. It's a very famous one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. What did he remember? He remembered he'd already been anointed king. That's what. He didn't need the actual throne or the actual title or the actual kingdom to be king. He was being shepherded by God and that was enough for him. He knew that what was needed in that moment was determination to hold fast to the call that God put on his life. The castle didn't make him king. The anointing did it. And what we see a lot of times in church, especially, is that all people want is a title and a position. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want a title or a position, you're wanting the wrong thing. The title doesn't make you king. The anointing does. So whatever you're doing, do it with all your heart and watch how God elevates you. Some of us get so frustrated because we feel like we should be further down the line than we are. And we're not realizing that God is working a process of development inside of us. And if you will let him do it, he won't just give you the throne. He'll give you the throne and peace after. Or do you want to spend your whole life fighting? Boy, this is, man, this is something we really got to get our head around. You might can have the throne, but if you don't let God develop you, you'll have the throne and wars for the rest of your life. How about this? Let God develop you in those years between the call and the completion. And then when you finally get to the throne, peace will come. And a lot that's in, that's nuts. I think some of us just like fighting. How dedicated to God's development are you? Because even when things are tough, you have to dig down deep and remind yourself what's really going on. God is trying to develop you. And here's the last one. Components of development. Remember, these are the challenges that you're going to get with development. The determination to see it through and not give up. David endured 14 years of development. He never gave up. We just read from Psalm 23. But flip back to Psalm 22. We're not going to read the whole thing, but look at verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me in the words 
and from the words of my groaning. Bro, bro, on the next page, you're talking about the Lord's my shepherd and food and tables and the house forever. Listen to me, some of y'all, y'all, y'all in Psalm 22 right now. And what God wants to do in your life is to flip the page. But you've got to be willing to let him develop that in you. Page flips don't happen without development. You've got to be developed. David wrote this in a gut-wrenching time in his life. And look at some of the language in some of the other verses. Verse 6, I'm a worm. I'm no man. I'm the reproach of men and despised by people. Look at verse 14. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. Verse 15. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. I don't even know what that is, but it's got to be bad. My, clung, my tongue clings to my jaws. You brought me to the dust of death. Now, if you go back and read this in your Bible, you're going to see that the word me is capitalized. You see, David wasn't just talking about himself in that moment. This is the Messianic Psalm. He was proclaiming Jesus that would come and give everything for you. David was at a moment where it had been so much easier to give up. What number lash on your back at Jesus' crucifixion would you have given up at? Which one? 20? Jesus went the whole way. And even though in a moment he could have commanded angels to come and annihilate the Romans. And listen to me, and do everything that the Jews wanted. To destroy the Romans. That's still what the Jews think, that the, mess, the, the Messiah is going to destroy the enemies of Israel. Jesus could have done that from the cross, and I'm telling you what, there wouldn't have been a need for a Messianic Jew. Everybody would have believed in Jesus anyway. Why didn't he do that? Because Jesus was going to be completely and totally determined to see it through what God told him to do. That's why. Yeah, David was king. And the development was hard, but he refused to give up. Don't give up. Don't. When you, when you read Psalm 22, you get to the end and you see that David praised God like never before. It made sense why Psalm 23 came next, because David was praising the Lord by the end of that one. But listen to me. Development's tough. And it's not always going to be easy. But don't give up. And if you need more encouragement for that, let's watch a TikTok video. Do not quit. Don't quit. Don't tap. This is part of what you're supposed to be walking through. This is meant to strengthen you. This is meant to embolden you. This is meant to burn away every impurity that wants the glory for yourself. This season is meant to mold you and forge you into the person that can handle the weight of what's coming your way. Like God said to Jeremiah, if you're gonna grow weary while running with footmen, how will you ever run with horses. Can I lovingly encourage you with this? That sometimes we get so bothered by the season we're in and we're so frustrated by it and we're so weary from it that we think God's trying to like kill us or something. Like he, you said you wouldn't put more on us than we could handle, which by the way, he never said that. That's an old wives tale. God constantly puts things on you that you can't handle. That's why he wants you to lean into him. Okay, that's how that goes. But sometimes we're in seasons and it's so tough and it's so hard and we don't know what to do. Well, it's because God is preparing you for the next season where you're not going to be running with men anymore. You are going to be running with horses. So don't get angry about the season that you're in. Development can be hard, but don't quit. Development takes time. It isn't overnight. It takes engagement. You have to go all in with it. It takes opportunity. You have to give it a chance. Okay? But if you want to see development work, it's godliness and change in you. It's going to challenge the desires of your heart to make sure that they're pure. It's going to push to see how dedicated you really are to what God promised. And it's going to, dis- and it's going to discover how determined you are to see it through. It isn't easy for somebody to point out a weak spot in your life. But development says thank them when they do it. It isn't easy to dig up hurt and pain from your past. Development says get a shovel. It isn't easy to release unforgiveness and anger. Development says let it go. It isn't easy to crucify the flesh so that you can live by the Spirit. Development says here are the nails. At the end of the day, development is just a fancy word for getting closer to Jesus. But 
the problem is the closer I get to him, the more sin I see in myself. And Paul felt that too. In, in Romans chapter uh, 7, he says at one point, he's like, what a miserable person I am. Uh, who's going to free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? And he says, well, the answer is Jesus Christ. That, that's who. Even Paul felt that. And maybe that's why you have not entered into development just yet. Maybe that's why. Maybe you are terrified what it looks like behind the curtain. Maybe you're so scared to move that first layer. Man, what's behind door number one? And it terrifies you. If you'll let me, just one, one more TikTok. Okay, one more. You want to know the paradox of the Christian life? It's this. As I go on with Christ, the moment I was converted, I see something of the holiness of God. I see something of my own sin. It creates something of a brokenness in me and a need of Christ. But it's not a brokenness unto despair because I see Christ and he supplies my needs. And so sorrow turns to joy. As I walk in the Christian life, the older and older I get, the more I see God, the more sin I see, the more broken I am, yet the more I see of Christ and so the greater my joy. And so it's this paradox that in the end, you're more broken than you've ever been before. You see more of your sin than you've ever seen before. And yet you're rejoicing more than you ever did before because you're seeing more of Christ than ever before. So true. When I first saw that video, it took me about a week to really process all of that. It, it, can be, it can be hard to look behind the veil. And maybe some of you, you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you're so disgusted at what you see in the life that you're living that you can't possibly understand how Jesus would want anything to do with developing you. But let me remind you of something. David didn't only cheat and have an affair with Bathsheba. He had her husband killed. Okay? How do you think God felt about David in the middle of that? How do you think God felt about David whenever David was plotting and looking across at the, at the rooftop when he should have been out at war doing what he was supposed to be doing? So a lot of times we, we find ourselves in trouble because we're just not doing what God told us to do before. That's a, whole other, that's a whole other message. But he was looking across and he was already formulating in his mind. God knew exactly what, what David was about to do. How do you think God felt about David? What about after he'd done the deal and all of a sudden he decided, oh my goodness, um, she's expecting now. I've got to figure out a way to get Uriah, her husband, out of the way. And he plots his death. You probably haven't killed anybody. So what makes you think that God looks at you any differently than he did at David when he said, that's a man who chases after my heart. I feel like somebody needs to hear this today, but your biggest sin is not the end of the world. Let me explain what I mean by that. David cheated with Bathsheba and it ended up in murder. But Solomon also came from Bathsheba. The wisest man that ever lived. One of the most famous kings of any kingdom ever in history. Came from David and Bathsheba. God didn't allow the product of their sin to live. But when they were faithful and when they did it the right way, God allowed that to live. There was some development. Listen, there was some development that happened between the first time and Solomon. I'm just asking you to give God a chance to develop you and to make something beautiful out of your life. You know, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to crucify the flesh. I, I want to stop sinning altogether. And it's because it's not because sin is wrong. It's because it breaks my father's heart. I, I want to let go of my past and the pain that it hoards inside of me. I want to forgive and I want to give grace and I want to stop demanding that I get my justice when I'm wronged. I want to do these things. I want to, I want to be selfless instead of selfish. I want to be full of joy, not full of anger. Like I want all these things. I want Jesus, though, more than I want what I want. And the times when I'm living in anger and selfishness and justice 
and pain and sin and my flesh. It's when I decide that I want what I want more than I want what Jesus wants. See, I want my heart more than I want God's heart. But if you want to be a person after God's heart, it's going to take time, engagement, opportunity. It's going to take challenging your desires. It's going to take figuring out how dedicated you are. It's going to take you refusing to give up. But here's the thing. No matter where you are in this process of development, it can start now and it can be developed in this moment even. So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to the front right now. And I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and bow your heads. The only reason I ever ask you to do this is simply so that you can have a moment with you and Jesus undistracted. Here's my question for you right now. What do you need to do right now to either start that process or to continue that process of development inside of you. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you've known a lot about Jesus, but you never really made him Lord. Here's your moment. Maybe you need to get baptized or be full of the Holy Spirit. Yes, all those things, but maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to let go of some stuff. Maybe you need to confess some sin. Maybe you need to receive some grace because you've been so hard on yourself. Maybe you just need to have a talk with somebody this week that knows you and knows God and loves you and loves God and has your best interests in mind. Look, I don't know where you are in your level of development. But here's what I'd ask you to do. I'd ask you right now to ask the Holy Spirit to help you go all in with whatever that process looks like. And this is your moment. The prayer team is here. I'm going to pray for you. Don't wait. Come and pray. Come and ask somebody to agree with you about a process, about maybe God revealing what that process even looks like, how to work this out. God wants you developed. Here's your moment. Father, I thank you for these precious people. God, I thank you, Father, that you are moving in their midst right now. You are speaking to their hearts and lives. God, I thank you that you are making a difference in them. God, and I'm asking you right now, by the mighty name of Jesus, that you would encourage them and embolden them, empower them in this moment to embrace development. In fact, let's just do that in this moment. If you have the liberty, uh, God, right now, I just submit myself to you right now. Develop me, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, whatever that process might be. I'm all in with you. I, I want you to remove things in me that don't need to be there. Things that are keeping me back from experiencing my best in you. God, if it's my attitude, fix it. If it's my heart, change it. If, if, it's, if it's my thought processes, adjust them. God, if I need somebody to walk into my life and tell me how the cow chews the corn, God, I ask that you do that this week. I don't want to be who I've always been and keep having the same problems in the same battles. I want to win and I want to improve and I want to become everything you created me to be. So God, I'm asking you to help right now. Help us in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for it. We thank you that you love us enough to develop us. We thank you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.